Hello, and how are you feeling today? Welcome to Read Feelings, the podcast that will help you understand and take control of your emotions to create the life you want. I am your host, Stephanie, and today we are here for part two of The Power of Errors with Claudia Melli. And I've never been the kind of person that is really self-confident in her body or, you know, like... um, sensual or sexual you know so my question is like how can you feel confident when you're not in your body yeah such an important piece of our journey um there is a way that um is in every individual now big responsibility to um, start a loving relationship with our body because our body is our home, is our temple, um, is the most sophisticated instrument and because of uh, all the messages that we receive around impossible standards that we all try to fit into we all try to fit our body into and we compare our body to we have developed such a critical eye so every time we look in the mirror we are scanning for what is not right for what is wrong for what is not right for what is not yet in the right shape or what we are hoping that will change. And, um, you know, I'm all up for well-being journey and taking care of our body and fitness. So, yeah, it's important that we look at our body if we are doing a fitness program to see if there's any change. And I absolutely recommend and invite women to practice standing naked in front of their mirror and to practice looking at our body with loving and approving eyes, right? So it's actually re-educating the intention behind why we are checking what we look like in the mirror. So we need to change the shift from judging to reverence Um, and again you know because of we are bombarded um, by impossible standards you know you open facebook instagram and you know you're immediately traumatized because like (laughs) we never look like that you know and i speak to a lot of women behind closed door who you know on the external appearance you know they might had a body that everybody wanted and internally were in deep battle with that body in deep self-hatred in deep um, misuse and maltreatment of that body you know we can really misuse our body with too much exercise, with controlling how much we eat, how much we don't eat. 
And you know, like we we have all this self belief that we are too much or something, right? We are too thin or too fat or too tall or too short or you know, my nose is too big, my bum is too big, and now it's not big enough, right? So we are constantly um, not taught to celebrate our unique beauty, our unique shapes. To see ourselves as the most perfect, unique creation of nature, there is anyone else like us, you know. And I, I always give this very simple, poetic, you know, simple um, examples in relation to nature. Right? You know, if you look at the miracle of nature, or flowers. You know, a sunflower doesn't think, oh my God, I'm too tall, I'm too yellow. Or, you know, a marigold doesn't spend the time torturing herself thinking, oh, I'm too small, I'm too tiny, I'm too white. Right? We, we do crazy, we tell ourselves crazy things on how we are not enough of something or we are too much of something else. And um, we stop looking at our body as the miracle that they are and the fact that our body is a vessel for pleasure if we start to just focus on our sensories and on our sensual experience we know the fact that we feel we smell we taste we hear we see we witness we savor when we are immersed in that experience, we are not thinking, you know, if our mouth is too big or too small or our teeth are too wide or not. It's just like, oh my God, this tastes delicious, you know, give me another bite. <laughs> and we are, you know, in ecstasy, who cares, you know, about the shape of our body. Um, it's true. Yeah, I started uh, understanding uh, the concept of how beautiful were our body. But maybe this is me being weird, <laughs> because the very first time I looked at myself in the mirror, I'm not going mm. to lie, I cried. I cried Aww. because I didn't like what I saw. And uh, I started reading books about how our body works with when it comes to period to all of the fertility cycle and everything and I was just like wow <laughs> while I am busy working this is what my body is doing and and I am just you know like and why am I standing here crying when all of these wonderful things are happening in my body and for me that uh, that's what helped me and I just want to say to the people that are going to look at themselves naked for the very first time, it's normal that <laughs> you're going to cry the first time. Oh. But then after it will, it will be better. I think it's more about, as you said, uh, just breaking down all of these walls that we, that we created for ourselves. Mm. And yeah, and you can start. You can start when you look at yourself in the mirror. You know, I relate to that because I used to 
really dislike my body in many ways. And one bit at a time, I reclaim loving my body just by focusing to begin with on the parts that you like, right? What are the parts of your body that you really like? And just focus on that and just look at them with no judgment, like it's not beautiful or ugly. Just like notice, what do you like about it? Like, I love my lips because they're plump, you know, they're like juicy and, you know, they're soft and I love kissing. You know, what are the parts of your body that you like? So. Let's not focus that much on the one we don't like. You know, for many years I was derided at school because of my nose and I grew up with a big complex about my nose and I hated so much. I hated if somebody was taking a picture of my profile. I burned and destroyed picture. I was like, I was convinced that everybody talking to me would only notice my nose. Honestly, like when I was talking to people, my nose was itching so much discomfort. <laughs> and I spent most of my, you know, between 13 and 16, you know, that age where you are, you know, seeking to be liked by your schoolmates. And, and I just spent all those years crying because of my nose. Crying for days into my, you know, like in my bed, in my room, because I saw nobody. And so we all have our own stories, right? And especially at school where kids can be quite cruel. Um, and so, yeah, and just start with something that you really love. And eventually, it is contagious. Like you will start to love all of your body. You know, start with the things you love and then <laughs> and then eventually it will start. I was reading an article saying to focus on what you like and this lady mm-hmm. really liked her lips. So she started putting yes. lipsticks. And <laughs> and then you know like the red lipstick uh, after the red lipstick I don't know, she liked, I don't know, like the way she was, uh, like a suit, um, was, uh, mm-hmm. was hugging her. So then she, she was like, like everything comes after the other one. And, uh, I think if you start with the things that you like, then, you know, it's automatic that you will see the things that you don't like, but you see that you can do something, you know, like to like because you like it, not because social media said it to you. And uh, you will, I think, take care of yourself until, you know, you will really That's love right. yourself. Um, one of the questions that we receive, mm-hmm. it was, can you improve intimacy with your partner yes you know it's a very common experience that we are in a relationship I speak to many women who are in loving relationship you know the reason often 
you know, two people who deeply love each other, but they don't really know how to build the deeper level of intimacy because we've never taught how to. So, um, you know, when two people start a relationship and then maybe they move in together, maybe they get married, um, and then every day um, domestic life starts to kick in. And um, again, you know, because we replicate models that we receive from our parents or from society, we don't have any example of what it is like to tend like if we had a beautiful garden, like to tend on a regular basis to our intimacy. So often when I work with people and on the aspects of building intimacy, one of the most important things that is lacking is communication and regular conversation around intimacy, how to bring it up, how to talk about it, what to talk about it, when, you know, we are so busy. You know, and so um, there is a prioritization of conversation that needs to happen because good intimacy starts through conversation. It doesn't start necessarily in the bedroom. It starts in the quality and depth and places where we can go when we start talking. But many people... Um, you know, I worked mainly with women and there have been women that I worked with who haven't been able to bring the conversation that we were having in our session to their partner because their partner was completely blocking. Like, this is not something that I want to talk about. You know, sex is something that you do. Intimacy is something that happens. We do not talk about it. So, and this is also... The taboo around conversation is something that we all also been received growing up. So talking about it can be very embarrassing to the extent that somebody is gonna put up a complete wall. So great intimacy starts with empowering, connected, intimate conversation about it, where two people learn to bring on the table things that they feel not comfortable with mostly the truth you know the unadulterated unfiltered truth needs to come out because otherwise what we have we just have 10% 5% of the intimacy that we could really access so I shared a post a few days ago a video where I said um, the next level of intimacy um, that you can have, what's in between you and that, is just the level of vulnerability that you're willing to go into. And so, you know, when I work with women, there is a whole level of education on how to open a conversation, how to structure it in a way that feels safe, how to make your partner feel that they are not criticized or put on the spot or made wrong and you can open a trustworthy, loving, fulfilling conversation that has to happen on a regular basis because our intimacy, our sexuality, our desire constantly change. 
what we liked yesterday we might not like it today what we liked you know for like three years that we've been doing you know with each other it's become so familiar now i can't stand it anymore i need some change right yeah i love the way you kiss me and today i decided that you know i just don't like it anymore i don't know how to tell you and i have to tell you because otherwise you're gonna keep kissing me exactly in the same way and i'm gonna start hating you and that's what happened in many relationships yeah. In uh, in the chat that I had with Kelly Sterling, which is the episode before this, um, she was talking about um, women in menopause, and that she was trying to explain that it was normal that whatever you liked ten years ago is bad. It's not what you like now, and. Because we grew up, so you know, like it's, you cannot uh, like Pokemon <laughs> and continue to like them when you are in very menu- in menopause. And uh, the she was saying that a lot of women they don't talk ab- about this to their partner because they've never spoke about it. So. Um, They've always had intimacy, always had sex, but uh, apparently a lot of women, they don't speak about what's happening in the bedroom with their partner. So what is your suggestions? Like how how would you start um, for the very first time to talk to your partner about this? Yes. <laughs> so it can be very confronting and very difficult if, we, if you've never done it before and that's why I personally um, recommend that a woman takes time outside the relationship to have conversation about what she what is it that she would like to introduce differently or new or you know to to bring out in the conversation and to really you know, obviously that's what I do, right? I, with a one-on-one session with women, I help them connect into themselves first. You need to spend a certain amount of time to really be connected to what is it that you don't like anymore? What is it that you would like to try before going into a conversation? So take time and space, possibly if you, if you are in the position to do it, you know, to hire somebody where you can have this conversation for yourself first. Even better if then you can start having this conversation with other women. So then, first of all, you you know you also break this limiting um, false belief that what you're going through, you must be the only one. You know, that's one of the reasons why we don't speak about it because, like, well, you know, there must be something wrong with me. So I'm going to try to be this perfect woman who, you know, is sexual and sexy all the time and, you know, fully multi-orgasmic and, and the truth is not. And I don't know actually how to say that, yeah. you know, I don't like to be touched in that way. I don't like to be kissed in that way that I, 
don't that we rush too quickly into penetration and it's not working for my body that my body is changing you know if you know a woman enters the menopause period her body changes her body needs to be approached in a completely different way um, and in generally speaking most women rushed in order to match the speed and the and, and the pace of a man they rushed they rush too quickly into allowing penetration when their body is not ready and so um, there is a way longer journey to for pleasure to pleasure in to full sex you know that a woman has to become in rightness with that her body her path to orgasm is different from the masculine model and it requires often more time more preparation more warm-up her body needs to uh, build the desire of a woman builds up it's not like it doesn't turn on like it would for a man a man path of arousal is very different and ultimately uh, how a woman will get in rightness with her own slower pace and longer you know time that is needed the more she gets in right with that the more her partner can also start to explore a different experience for themselves because even men can expand their capacity to pleasure their capacity to um, be in their body and in their uh, arousal if they actually slow down and extend timing that often again they are just rushed up and there are stages that we run in. even in even movies. in that's why you know that's exactly one of the reasons why we um get into a model of sexuality that doesn't really work because we see a movie where two kisses one grab you know on your bum and you know two caresses and the woman is ready and she's multi-climaxing um, and it doesn't work that way um, so a woman <laughs> yeah I am actually a yes um, you know now we are talking about movies about uh, what people expect from us women and you know like me being Asians <laughs> a lot of men are uh, you know like they they have these uh, weird fantasies and and i'm like left there <laughs> in total wonder and i'm like okay who did you date before because <laughs> this is not me and uh, um i also heard a lot of people um you know while doing my researches about uh, uh f- for this episode that women there are a lot of women who never reached mm-hmm. orgasm. Yeah. Um, so, uh, why and how? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's my question. Yes. So, we come back to this very fundamental principle that a woman has to then 
counteract the lack of information and the misleading models of sexuality that we are exposed to by taking in our hands, so to speak, <laughs> the journey of building up our knowledge, the missing knowledge. You know, any anyone who wants to, I can share it with you if you want to share it with your audience. I have a reading list that I consider the foundation for a woman to um, start a new relationship with her sexuality. A woman needs to um, look at building that missing knowledge, reading books, discovering about the path of female arousal, discovering about anatomy, discovering how female pleasure works, and um, getting herself educated. Because otherwise, we jump into the most heated and the most triggering experience of life, which is sexuality, with the less competence ever, apart from romanticized or pornified, pornified version of sexuality, hoping for the best. You know, we're just like, let's take a chance. You know, maybe I meet, you know, it is like an um, incredible lover that I heard, you know, that somebody might be and would take me to ecstasy. And again, we are giving away our power because we are expecting that somebody out there would arrive in our life to give us all the pleasure that we are meant to experience. And we don't know anything about pleasure. We don't know how our body works. We don't know about the structure of the clitoris, which is one of the most potent part of our body where we can experience pleasure and most women have never don't even know where the clitoris is don't even know the structure the internal structure of the clitoris within their body and their vulva they don't know that a woman needs a stimulation of a clitoris before penetration often in order for her pussy to become really juicy and plump and start to throb and pulsate naturally you know from pleasure because often you know a clitoris is either not even touched or is touched with uh, expectation and pressure and speed in a way that um, often is too much and so many women have never experienced climax because they've never been touched in the right way or because they don't even know that there is a part of their body that could lead to pleasure or there is shame so they can't even relax into being pleasured by someone a lot of women don't always have shame, don't only have shame around their body, they have shame around their pussy. They hate the way that pussy look. Women go to incredible extent. They even do plastic surgery, right? So- I heard about that. I was so surprised. Mm -hmm. And to even now even 
to even younger and younger age is absolutely scary on how young women are asking for this kind of um, uh, surgery interventions to modify their body to fit into photoshopped um, artificial images that again we compare ourselves to um, I do yeah. have a question is uh, I was watching a TV program uh, not really a big fan of TV <laughs> I don't own any as well, you can see <laughs> but you neither, know sometimes on holidays I threw away on. my TV 10 years ago yeah <laughs> Yeah, uh, I I started living in uh, apartments mm-hmm. with no TV, and a lot of people are like, "Why?" <laughs> and uh, I was casually uh, casually uh, moving from one channel to another one while I was in the hotel, and I think there was this I saw this scene and I was just like, "What is happening?" And there is, there was this mentor who was telling the ladies to watch their vaginas. So they were actually standing like this, with a mirror in the middle of, of their legs, and they were, let's say, forced to look at their, at themselves for, for I think, mm-hmm. ten minutes. Is that helping in yeah. any way? Or... <laughs> Yeah, I, it was in my mind when we were talking about the practice of standing naked in front of the mirror and practicing a loving gaze with ourselves. And another very powerful exercise that I invite women to do is to take a mirror and to look at your pussy and to, again, not to rush into that and to really make it into a special ritual you know to say okay i'm gonna do something that is i've never done it it's confronting and it sounds weird is it's like why would i even want to do that <laughs> and to make it into an important date with yourself make it into a date with yourself put it in a diary buy um self-standing mirror that you can put on the floor and put a lot of cushions around you and a silk robe and and just make it into a ritual like I am meeting the most important part of my body one of the most important parts of my body and to practice witnessing your pussy and so I consider it a, a very fundamental thing to practice. Um, this is another um, aspect of our body. And there's another part of our body where we have an incredible um, amount of judgment. Um, and we all think, we all believe um, that our pussy must be somehow of a shape that is not meant to be 
right? So many women are paranoid because their inner labia is too big or is they're too small, because their outer labia they are too small, because their clitoris is too big or because it's too small. The same things we do with the rest of our body. And so one of the things I invite women to check out, I mean, there are many artists now who take picture of uh, women's pussy. There are even, you know, coffee table books now with picture. <laughs> you know, that's somebody can buy for So there are many artists out there who have been helping women to reclaim uh, the absolutely natural multi you know form of our of our intimate body and one in particular that I invite women to check out is an artist that I met in person I went to visit his workshop and it's Jamie McCartney who did um, an installation called the Great Wall of Vagina which has been uh, Jamie Jamie McCartney so um, he took cast of different women's pussy and then he put them one next to the other into this incredibly long wall and if you go online you can see the pictures and so because he made them look all white right because it's a plaster cast then you can really focus on the details and you can see that here we go yeah you found it and you can see that every pussy is different there aren't two the same small labia big labia long labia and you know like one labia is bigger than the other and your clit can be very exposed it can be very hidden for me it was very healing to look at that wall and, and I and it's been for many women who I shared it with so yeah I was really surprised because uh, the very first time I heard that we have uh, different shapes mm-hmm. it was through the book uh, period power mm-hmm. because she made I think two full pages of just pictures of pussies <laughs> yeah <laughs> and I was like oh wow <laughs> just just to make uh, you know just to say here it is this is the proof that we all That's are right. different and um, we received a question that says does it help introducing sex toys with um, in a relationship or with confidence. Yeah. So again, you know, this would be part of introducing an ongoing trustworthy conversation between each other because um, it can both have completely different effect on a relationship. So, you know, often if there is somebody, one of the two partners who really have a desire to introduce something new that could be a sex toy or new position or I don't know, going to sex parties or, you know, trying BDSM. And the other person is not even ever, ever remotely thought about anything like that. And this comes out completely out of the blue. It can be very, um, 
threatening, it can be very intimidating, it can be very uh, confronting. And, um, and so it's very important to have an ongoing conversation about intimacy and what we like and what we don't like so it doesn't come out completely out of the blue. And, um, right, so sex toys can be enhancing and it can also be actually another barrier to true intimacy. So it really depends. You know, there are many women um, who never had a climax and suddenly they discover um, having a vibrator can give them these incredible, powerful climaxing experiences. And then in their relationship, you know, they might like the idea of introducing a vibrator in their intimacy. So for some men, it can be something that add and it can be fun. For many men, it can be threatening and emasculating and it might not work at all. Um, so just to give an example, so it's very important that everything that we want to bring in our intimacy is, even if we have a strong desire, that we do it in the most inclusive and caring way of the person that we are having intimacy with. There's no point introducing handcuffs if the other person goes into panic and unsafety and their body freezes and they're not able to relax and they hate it because it reminds them of something else traumatic that they've experienced right so um it all needs to be done with a lot of conversation and care in my view um, and they can be both deeply enhancing and can take a couple to new level and to new territory and having a lot of fun and um, and it can also be very destructive um, if somebody is more focused on their own desire and wanting to push something that the other person might not be ready for and so yeah Mm -hmm. Makes sense. So you were talking about uh, your retreats and your programs and all of your posts. Tell us more about your work in progress. <laughs> yeah, so um, right now, if anybody's interested in reaching out and is curious about uh, how to work uh, with me, um, I offer one-on-one Eros mentoring. Um, so it, it is in the form of one-on-one private coaching and it can be a deeply transformative journey for a woman. I call it like a journey from girl to womanhood and is a very specific focused journey on the woman reclaiming her sexuality, breaking through female conditioning, understanding her desire, her anatomy, her pleasure, and so it's a combination of education and integration and, and also overcoming negative messages or shaming messages or traumatic experiences. It's very important that we also look at our past in order to be able to move forward, sometimes past experiences or 
past relationship are still keeping us stuck, right? So um, um, what I offer with my expertise with psychotherapy and coaching and mentoring is really the ability to take a woman from she's coming from to where she wants to go. And that is the deepest journey that I can accompany a woman. I have incredible um, stories of other women that I also can share of how their life, their relationship, their quality of vitality, their success in other areas of life are deeply impacted by working on their sexuality because the way a woman shows up in the world in relation to her sexuality affects her power in relationship, in her business, in anything that she's creating, um, in her influence, in her leadership. Uh, so that is the journey that I find more fulfilling and more transformational. I also have a signature program that I run a few times a year, which is called the Erotically Intelligent Woman Program. And it's eight module uh, that I do often live. And now I am also creating in pre-recorded version that will be available soon. I do in-person retreats here in Ibiza. I run one in July, the next one. It's not still on the program, but it will be soon. And right now I'm offering VIP day, one day retreat here in Ibiza in a beautiful spa location. And um, just in one day, I can take a woman to an incredible transformation that can really take her to another level of fulfillment in her life. And there's no more beautiful and magical place to do it than in Ibiza. And so this is what is available at the moment. And people can find me on Instagram, The Erotically Intelligent Woman, and also on Facebook. Um, there is a private group that you can find me if you type in The Erotically Intelligent Woman. Oh, I'm jealous because now I know I will drop this call and you will go to the beach. <laughs> yeah, I'm actually. <laughs> I would think okay, I just want to say thank you and this was really interesting and eye-opening to at least me <laughs> soon everyone when they will hear this <laughs> and uh, I'm hoping to well we are going to meet again uh, I'm sure and I'm hoping to uh, have more chats with you on on the on the podcast when you know when it happens <laughs> absolutely anytime it's been such a pleasure i'm so grateful that you invited me i'm open to more conversation there's so much that needs to be brought to the open uh, i love all the question of your audience and um there's much more that we can talk so yes to any I know. further conversation I'm a yes <laughs> <laughs> okay thank you All so right. much bye